Do you ever feel like nothing is ever good enough? Like no matter how many accomplishments you achieve or self-work you do, someone is always one step ahead of you. What kind of thoughts or feelings does that person bring out in you? Probably not very pleasant ones. Certainly not loving and kind ones. Well, here at Community Christian Anywhere, we believe that love is the purpose of life. In fact, Jesus claimed that the most important thing in life is for everyone to learn to better love everyone always, as He loved us. And through this video, we're going to talk about how Jesus modeled an envy-free kind of love, a love free of comparison and jealousy. And it's the life we all were made to live, and it's possible for you. Because no matter what you think about God, God can't stop thinking about you, and He wants to offer you the best life possible. Hi, my name is Tatiana, and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. Jason, and I'm one of the pastors here at Community Christian Anywhere. And for the past few weeks, we've been having discussions about the nature of love, what love is, and what love does. Because see, we're a community of Jesus followers, and Jesus said that love would be our defining characteristic. In the end, nothing else matters. If we forget Jesus's command to love one another like He's loved us, then we miss the whole thing. So in that spirit, I want to start by asking you to consider a question about love. Would love ever hurt your feelings? Now, I want you to think about that before you answer because there are several layers to that question that you really have to consider. Now, we're going to circle back to that question in just a moment, and I'll sort of give you my thoughts on it in a minute. But if you keep thinking about it, and if you want to reach out to me and you want to have a conversation about this or really anything else that you hear today, just send me a text to that number on your screen. In this series, we've been discovering the definition of love through some of the most famous words that were ever written on that subject. They're found in a chapter in the Bible known as 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and they were written by the Apostle Paul. Now, that chapter is just a small part of a longer letter that Paul wrote to a community or church in the ancient city of Corinth. In fact, you've probably even heard part of this chapter used as this beautiful poetic reading at a wedding, or maybe you've seen it on a Valentine card you gave to your significant other. It says, love is patient, love is kind, love always protects, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. Beautiful words, right? But you might be surprised to hear that by the time Paul got to this part of his letter to the Corinthians, they would not have heard them like beautiful poetry. In fact, to them, it would have felt more like a gut punch or a slap in the face. In other words, it stung a little bit. It probably hurt their feelings, and I'll tell you why. See, what prompted Paul to write to this church at Corinth is that, well, there were some really serious problems going on. Uh, some people at Corinth, they'd become really messed up. The way that they were treating people, their attitudes, their behaviors, their pursuit up the social ladder, going after status and money, it was all hurting their community. And in the first part of this letter, Paul calls them out on it. For example, in chapter three, he calls them worldly. 
Now, to be worldly meant that they were actually opposed to God and his kingdom and his way of life. Paul says, for since there is jealousy or envy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? See, a lot of people in this church, they had started placing too much trust in certain preachers or church leaders, and they thought it made them better or more spiritually superior to other people. And they would go around boasting about which leader they were following. And it was leading to envy and rivalry within their community. So Paul says, look, no more boasting about these human leaders. In fact, in another verse of this letter, he says, your boasting is not a good thing. Paul uses the word for boasting in this letter more times than it's used in all the rest of the New Testament in the Bible. So there's all this envy and boasting or this bragging, which leads to a third problem that Paul calls them out on. And he describes it with a word that's, well, it's even more rare in the Bible. He tells them that they're puffed up. Now, Paul was writing in the Greek language, and in their language, this word was a really colorful term. It's Think of it kind of like inflating a balloon that wants to look really big and impressive on the outside, but inside, it's just a bunch of hot air waiting to get popped. Envy is something you do. Boasting is something you do. But puffed up? Well, that's something you are. So Paul hits them with all these problems and these words, and he just says it over and over and over again in his letter. He says, you envy, you boast, you're puffed up. You envy, you boast, you're puffed up. And now we come to this beautiful, inspiring, feel-good passage called the love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind. And everyone reading it is like, oh, yeah, right. Those are some nice words, Paul. That really is what love is. And then Paul brings the hammer down. <laughs> he tells them about what love is not. He says, love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud or puffed up. In other words, you wanna know what love is not like? <laughs> well, it's not like you, in fact, Love is the opposite of you. So, let's go back to my original question. Do you think these people that Paul's writing to, you think they're getting their feelings hurt just a little bit? I would think so. But the more important question is this, is Paul saying these things in love? And I would say, yes. See, love's not just about making people feel good. Sometimes, Love has to risk hurting your feelings in order to save you from a disastrous future. Now, it doesn't mean you want to hurt someone. It's just that you love them so much that it's worth the risk to try and help them see the truth. See, Paul loves these people too much to let them suffer through the misery of an unloving life. He doesn't want them to miss out on what matters most, which is growing to become the people that God intended them to be. And in order to do that, they're going to have to start doing the opposite of what they're doing right now. And even though it probably hurt to hear it, it's what Paul had to say in order to be loving towards them. So for the rest of this talk, I want to focus on that first great not. Love does not envy. Now, envy is not just a sin. It's like the opposite of love. See, if you're a person who loves someone, then you feel good when they do well. 
You're happy to see them succeed. You want only good things for them. But if you're a person who envies someone, then you feel disappointed when they do well. When you love somebody, you constantly want to build them up, right? But when you envy somebody, you compare yourself to them and you actually want them to be torn down. You want to outdo them. And envy is, is such a tricky thing for us to fight against. See, you don't get rid of envy just by trying hard not to envy. It has to be replaced with the power of love. Because see, when love is present in your heart, well, there's just no room left for envy to grow. So if you want to stop envying someone or stop being jealous, you have to start loving them. Because in reality, your envy of that person proves that you aren't truly loving them. Because love does not envy. One thing that envy does is that it pulls us into isolation. When we compare ourselves to others, we retreat from the relationship. We stop seeing the person as someone deserving of our love, but as a rival to be dominated. But love does not compete. Love moves towards others and chooses to fight for the good of other people instead of trying to one-up them. So here at Community Christian Anywhere, we believe life is most meaningful and enjoyable when we are in committed relationships with others, where we are focused on loving them like Jesus has loved us. We believe that this is the purpose of the church. And so we've really built our church around groups of these kinds of relationships, where we can practice together how to love everyone always. And it takes practice because everyone's not always lovable. So if you find yourself in a place of isolation where you are merely observing people's lives instead of actively investing your time and energy into them, if you find you spend more time comparing yourself to people's highlight reels on social media rather than connecting to others, if you, like me, find envy-free love a struggle, would you reach out to us through the number on the screen just text the word group to the number on the screen and we would love to get you connected with a virtual group where you can connect with others and discuss what you're learning here at Community Christian Anywhere. It's in these relationships where we can learn how to actually practice what love looks like and we can get the encouragement we need to live the meaningful life Jesus offers us. So please reach out to us by texting group to the number on the screen. And together, we can learn what it means to truly love everyone always in the way that chooses relationships over envy and comparison. So as we look closely at these words from Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, it's important to understand that he's not giving us a bunch of commands. He's just simply describing what love's like. And envy, it's the opposite of love in a way that's, well, it's really unique from most other sins. Uh, for example, greed. Now, greed's a sin, but if I'm greedy, I may want to have just as much money as you have, but if I envy you, I don't just want to have more, I want you to have less. More than just wanting something good for me, I want something bad for you. Samuel Roberts, he was a 19th century British poet, and he was in a gathering of people and they were all praising this certain Duke that they knew because he had good looks and talent and wealth and this promising future. And while they're all talking, Roberts pauses for a moment and he says, 
Well, thank God he has bad teeth. <laughs> See, that's envy. It's like, if you have everything else, I hope you have bad teeth or I hope you have bad something. Envy is becoming this serious problem in our society right now, don't you think? I mean, I think it's mainly because of technology. In fact, a researcher named Alexandra Samuel, she studied the impact of social media on envy. See, right now, we have more access to more successes by more people than ever before in the history of the world. Everyone seems to be uploading pictures and posts of the very best parts of their lives. And to someone looking at it from the outside and then comparing it to their own life, well, it seems like everyone has better jobs, better decorating ideas, better vacations, better kids, better dining experiences. And her study shows that the more time people spend on social media, the more envy they experience. Envy's making us miserable. The truth is, we're actually doing it to ourselves. But you know, envy, it's also an old problem. In fact, you might even say it's the oldest problem. One of the first sins ever recorded in the Bible, it's a story about envy. Cain and Abel, they were the first brothers. They were family. And families are supposed to be about love. But Cain, he didn't love his little brother. See, when the two brothers would bring their offerings to God, Abel brings the very best that he has. Now Cain, he's apparently just going through the motions because he brings less than his best. So Abel experiences a relationship with God that's just more intimate than Cain, and it became painful for him. But instead of looking at his own heart and his own motives, he decided that the problem's not him. The problem is his brother. And every time he looks at Abel, he feels bad about himself. So this thought occurs to him. What if there was no Abel? And God steps in and he tries to help him. He says to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And if you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you don't do what's right, sin's crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you can rule over it. And it's so interesting, Cain, he doesn't respond. He's just silent. See, all Cain had to do was answer God. If he would have confessed his envy to himself, to his brother, to God, he could have been saved. But he stayed silent. And envy, it destroyed his soul. And then it destroyed his brother because Cain murdered Abel. All because of envy. Jesus, he came into the world and he started a community. And his plan was to do the opposite of envy. And then one day, two of his disciples, James and John, they, they come up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, when you set up your kingdom and you're in charge, we want to sit in the top two seats right next to you. Now, the other 10 disciples, they hear all this and they're furious, but not because James and John did something wrong. They're upset because, well, they thought of it before they did. And now they're thinking, man, that's what I wanted. But Jesus shuts them all down. He says this, Guys, you know that these rulers in this world, they lord it over people. The officials, they flaunt their authority over those underneath them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, Jesus himself, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom. 
for many. Now, in other words, Jesus is saying, hey guys, here's my plan. Let's just do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Because everybody else just goes the way of envy and jealousy. They're trying to pull the other person down to lift themselves up. And you guys see how that's working out in the world. So come on, let's do the opposite. Let's follow the way of love. Let's figure out how to serve and enhance and equip the lives of other people. Because like I said earlier, remember, you can't stop envy by just trying hard to stop envying. You remove envy with love because where love is present, there's no room for envy to take root in your heart. I've actually noticed how this whole thing plays out in my own life as a husband, as a father. See, when my wife or my girls do well, I celebrate. I'm so filled with joy. I'm so proud of them. Like when my daughter meets a goal or she breaks a personal record at a swim meet, we'll all go out for ice cream. When my other daughter makes the all-county cross-country team, man, I post that on Facebook. I want the whole world to see that. When my wife gets her students' calculus scores every year, we have like this day of celebration. We go out to a restaurant. Because when they do well, I'm thrilled, I'm happy. Why? It's easy. Because I love them. They're my family. Now, if everybody was in my family, I'd be thrilled by the well-being of everybody. And I would not be diminished or envious of anybody. And here's the deal. That's God's plan. One family. Not that all of us would just try really hard not to envy, but that envy would be uprooted and crowded out by love. See, all of us experience this to some extent. There are people in what might be called my circle of oneness. It could be my family, my really close friends, or just the people that I admire a lot. And in some deep way, it's like we're one. Because when they do well, I automatically rejoice. And when they hurt, I suffer. But then there are people in what might be called my circle of rivals. See, with them, it's the opposite. If they do well, I feel less than. If they go south, they have problems, I kind of feel a little better about myself. Jesus' plan is for you to take those people who are currently in your circle of rivals and bring them into your circle of oneness. One family. The Apostle Paul, in another letter, he said it this way, there are no divisions, there are no categories or people who are in and people who are out, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It really is that simple. So what if this week you didn't look at other people in your life or the people in your social media feed as rivals for you to outdo? What if you looked at the people in your life as family? What if when they do well, you rejoice, and when they hurt, you hurt. And what if those people would all do the same for you? What if we all just did the opposite of what we're all doing right now? I once read a true story about a family therapist in Kansas City. His name is Jim Roberts. He was visiting the fourth grade class of his son, Daniel. The teacher had organized a game of balloon stomp. Each child had a balloon. They tied it on his or her leg. And the object of the game is to obliterate everyone's balloon without letting anything happen to your balloon. It was everybody for himself. As soon as someone stomps your balloon and it busts, well, you're out of the game. And then 
when there's only one child left standing who has that one intact balloon, well, that kid is declared the winner. So the teacher gave the signal and this dad watched his son and all the other children go into a frenzy, popping each other's balloons. And at the same time, they were all doing their best to try and protect their own balloon, except for one or two shy kids, they kind of lacked the spirit of competition. Their balloons were gone in a matter of seconds. But eventually, he said, all the balloons were gone except for that one, and the winning kid jumps up and he celebrates while all the other kids just sort of sat on the sidelines and they watched. But then he said a disturbing thing happened. They brought in another class of mentally challenged children and they prepared them to play the same game. Balloons were tied to their legs and they were told the same rules of the game. And I'm just gonna read you what Jim Roberts experienced in his own words. He said, I got a sinking feeling in my midsection. I wanted to spare these kids the brawl that was about to take place. They had only the foggiest notion of what this was all about. After a few moments of confusion, the idea got across to one or two of them that balloons were supposed to be stomped. Gradually, it, it caught on. As the game got underway, it was clear these kids missed the spirit of it. They went about methodically, intentionally getting their balloons stomped. One girl carefully held her own balloon in place so that a boy could pop it. Then he did the same for her. When all the balloons were gone, the entire class cheered in unison. Robert says, These children had mistaken this brawl for an exercise in community. In the original game, only one child could win. They discovered how to make everybody a winner. In normal balloon stomping, the participants are alienated from one another. It's you against me. But as these children played it, the game was an occasion for love. Instead of feeling anxious about fellow players, you knew the others were there to help you along. In the original game, you wouldn't be likely to learn about love. The play of these children seemed to foster generosity, trust, cooperation, gentleness, and concern for one another. You have to ask yourself a question. Who got the game right and who got the game wrong? See, maybe we're all playing the game wrong. Maybe we should all just, well, do the opposite. So let me ask you, which game are you going to play this week? How are you going to keep score? I think what Jesus would say is keep score by how many people am I able to help? Who could I encourage to shine? Who could I thank or compliment or recognize? Who could I brag about behind their back to other people? Or how about this? How about this week, just pray for your competitor to do well, for their life to be blessed. Now I know what you may be thinking. You're thinking, I don't really have any competitors. I'll bet you do. See, a competitor is anybody that you just compare yourself to. Someone who, when you see their success, when things go their way, when their life gets blessed, it kind of bothers you a little. You feel inferior or jealous. You automatically want to do better than them. So this week, identify somebody who's a competitor like that and commit to praying for them to flourish in their life. Now, you may say, well, I don't really feel like I want them to do well or to flourish, so how can I pray it if I don't feel it? Well, 
That's the great thing about prayer. You may not be able to control your feelings, but you can control who you pray for. So what am I saying? I'm saying even if you don't feel it yet, pray for them anyway. Pray for your competitor to shine and ask God to pull the weed of envy out of your heart and replace it with the flower of love. And if you commit to it and you do this long enough, I'll bet you'll find that eventually something begins to happen on the inside of you. Now, it probably won't happen overnight, but I think over time, as you start to see your prayer get answered, you'll experience a little bit of joy over their success. You'll feel a little less of a need to outdo them. I mean, come on, just imagine if we as a community could begin to allow God to do this good work within our hearts to allow Him to replace envy with love. What if your circle of rivals got smaller and smaller and your circle of oneness got larger and larger until finally God's dream, God's plan for humanity started to become reality? No division, no comparisons, no resentment, no envy. And the only thing that remained between us was the only thing that Jesus said matters. Just love. I hope this video was helpful for you and that you want to discover more of what God has to offer you and your life. Attached to this video, you'll see a playlist of more content exploring what it means to live the meaningful life of love Jesus offers. Please make sure to watch one of those videos subscribe to our channel, and follow us on Facebook so you can keep in touch with all of the great content we put out weekly. But we really hope that your interaction with us moves from just being content you consume to being a community you can be committed to because love only can exist in relationships with others. So please reach out to us through texting the number on screen and we can help you step into relationship with others who are also engaging with our content weekly. Or visit our website, cccanywhere.com and you'll see a lot of ways to get connected to our community here including the card that says join our Facebook group, where you will be redirected to our Facebook community, where if you click the join group button, you'll be able to connect with other people from around the country who are learning from Jesus what it means to love everyone always. I hope to see you there. But no matter what steps you take today, I hope you leave knowing that no matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you.